looking to create wealth in commercial property but don't know how to do it, tired of negative gearing and not getting ahead, well, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Revolve Commercial Podcast. Welcome to the Revolve Commercial Podcast. My name is Andrew Bean and I'm here with founder of Revolve Commercial and my trusty co-host, Mish Daniel. How are you doing? Hey, Andrew. Good to be back on the podcast. We actually have a very, very special episode today because we're going to be talking about something that Mish and I have been hinting to quite a lot over the last few months, and that's our secret self-storage deal. Um, We're both really, really excited to talk about this. Uh, Mish, how excited are you in a scale of 1 to 10? Probably about 20. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so before we actually get into it, I think it's probably a good idea to maybe talk about the history of this and how we actually basically came around to this. So, Mish, this is actually going to be your third group deal. Can you tell us about the first two that you've had really great success with? Yeah, okay. So the first one we did was uh, down the Gold Coast, and it was a freestanding commercial warehouse, so sort of showroom industrial. And what we did, there were four tenants there. We turned them into five tenants. We strata titled that and basically flipped that property right at the right time in the market. So we hit the market at the right time, pulled out about a million dollars, just sub-million dollars by flipping that property. So it was about just over a 12-month journey in doing that. So great result there. I went on to doing another property up in uh, the Sunshine Coast, which is a shopping center arcade. Same sort of thing. We bought it at the right time. Things have been going incredibly well. In fact, we've just launched a marketing campaign on it the last couple of weeks. And same sort of thing there where we had a couple of vacancies, firmed up the leases, put some new tenants in, cleaned the property up. I mean, it it really was a B-grade property. It is now a super A-grade property, beautiful property with steady cash flow coming in, good solid tenants and leases behind it. So that one's now currently on the market. We've got a couple of bites that we're busy working with, and I see some good revenue coming out of that one as well, so some good returns. Despite the fact that the market has taken a little bit of a dip, I do believe that it's uh, semi-transient, and what I mean by that is I do believe it is going to bounce back because it is the Sunshine Coast, after all. Really excited about those two, and it's been a great journey having all our investors on board with us. Can't find any good deals? Revolve Commercial has you covered with the hottest commercial property picks every month delivered free straight to your inbox. Subscribe today at www.revolvecommercial.com.au. Sit back, save time, and have the deals delivered directly to you from Revolve Commercial. This deal that we've got right now is an absolute stellar deal, and we're really, really excited to tell people about what we've been doing because it's been taking, Mish, how long has it been? It's it's at least been eight eight months, at least. (laughs) It's unbelievable, Andrew. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. <laughs> Some deals just take a hell of a lot longer than others. And as you say, this is this really is a stellar deal. Although these kind of deals don't come very easily. They're not easy to find, firstly. 
And when you do find them, they're kind of like the golden needle in the golden haystack. And it's a matter of nurturing them through their pain points. And I think that's where we've been particularly good in this deal, particularly this deal, to hang in the way that we have and negotiate sensitive areas. So the, the whole negotiation has been really open. And I think the lesson to be taken out of this, uh, Andrew, is transparency with the vendor, with the seller, you know, that we've got a very good relationship going with her and with the agent, with the selling agent, and we've been incredibly transparent, bearing in mind that the hiccup and the holdup has been mainly on their side. So we've kind of been trying to get them to get documents through to us a bit quicker than what they have. But the truth be told, they were not prepared for sale. They thought they were. And when you're buying an asset like this, there's a lot of detail, particularly the fact that it's storage. It's a going concern. It's a business. You're not only buying a commercial asset, a freehold commercial asset. You really are buying the business as well as the commercial freehold asset. Well, I just wanted to basically give a little bit of a history as well, because I personally have been working this deal for at least 11 months. So before we actually got this on board with Mish, Last year, the owner was actually selling this direct from owner. And I actually found the property and I called him and spoke to him, but he, he was very reluctant to give me any information. And it's a group of owners. So this is one of the owners that I was talking to at the time. And now it's changed owner that we're talking to, which she's a little bit more organized. But the owner that I was talking to, very reluctant to give me any kind of numbers or information on the property, except over the phone. It was $5 million it was listed for. Buying a $5 million asset from information that you're given over the phone verbally is not going to work. So I actually didn't do anything with the property at the time. I couldn't figure out the opportunity, so I didn't investigate it further. And then I actually found a different property that became listed, and it was the same company. But this time, they listed that through an agent. So then I actually spoke to the agent. They were telling me about this smaller warehouse type property. Then he also said to me that they've got another property that they're actually going to be listing. We're going to be listing it very, very soon. You know, what was the actual property? Where is it? And he told me about this property. And this property is an amazing proposition with it's got, you know, 104 self-storage units currently. It has eight commercial tenancies, one or two being vacant, really. It's also got a huge extra piece of land. It's actually 15,000 square meters, main road frontage. So the location is like top-notch blue chip. And that's really the main thing that you need to get right in self-storage and property in general, because it's the one thing about the property you cannot change. You cannot change the location. It's set in stone forever once you buy the property. So all of these things combined, this was the deal that I was actually after. So I was speaking to the agent and this is a basically a pocket listing. So we jumped at the opportunity to get the information and start the ball rolling. And then we ended up settling on a price of 4.6 million for the property. And we've been working the deal since February this year. And it's been, um, yeah, lots of trials and tribulations getting things from them. And that's the, the real, you know, trouble with, and it's actually the benefit of self-storage is you're working with mum and dad operators who have probably been running the business for a very, very long time. They don't have all of their ducks in a row and paperwork filed away so they can just give you a, a nice information memorandum. 
And because we've been solving a lot of problems in property, the more problems you can solve, the more money you can make. So we actually are looking for problem properties with that have the, the problems that we know how to solve. So the property is very, very run down from anyone's standpoint. We like that. We don't want it to be fully maxed out and looking like an A-grade property because we're going to be putting in a huge value-add strategy. But the thing about this property is really the research behind the market and in self-storage. So getting that right is really the main piece about investing in self-storage. So I was able to basically do a you know four-week research campaign on the other competitors in the area, the rates that they're charging, very, very in-depth. And if you know anything about commercial property, due diligence on commercial property alone is ex- extremely long and difficult. Overlay self-storage asset on that, a specific self-storage asset, and it's twice as long and twice as in-depth. So that's also the opportunity in self-storage and commercial property. It's because it's hard. It is hard to do it. You know, I really think that this is going to be one of the best properties that we we probably secure um, for a long time. So, and that's probably why a lot of people don't do commercial property, Andrew, because um, commercial property is difficult. It's uh, detailed. It's numbers. It's reports. It's reading reviews. You know, and people don't realize. You know, they they want to come into commercial property with their residential mindset, their re- residential experience. And when we start showing them what it involves, they kind of shy away. I've been doing this for 35 years. Odd. I'm so used to doing it. I can look at a property and tell you within 10 minutes, you know, whether the property is going to stack up or not. But when people go into it and they see how much work is involved, either they don't do all the work or they just see it from a surface and say, oh, it looks good, nice area, nice buildings, nice tenants, let's buy the property. And they make dreadful mistakes. Again, I would suggest always go through a buyer's agent. Seriously, if you don't know the stuff, if you haven't had experience, then do it through a buyer's agent or joint venture with somebody who's got the experience and is going to make sure that you're not going to jump into deep water. Andrew, I wanted to just go back to what you were saying about this property. When we were going through the trials and tribulations, we were asking for the financial statements and they just weren't forthcoming. Mm. And you ended up speaking to the accountants because you went through the agent. The agent was really battling. He put us in touch with the vendor and we were speaking directly with her and there was a bit of a panic on her side. And you went through to the her accountant. That was kind of June, July when everybody was doing their financial year end. He was panicking because uh, he was a one-man band, probably an, an older gentleman. And when we got talking, I was getting a little bit irate about what was going on because I thought, you know, seriously, guys, push a button and print out the bloody report. Turns out that her entire business has been run out of a ledger, a handwritten ledger, and little chits and slips and pieces of paper. So at financial year end, she goes and visits her accountant with a cardboard box. This is where the frustration was coming. And, and when we were going through that, nobody was telling us this. We, After drilling the agent, he eventually told me this, and I couldn't believe it. I thought he was joking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't believe it. And then when you were talking to the accountant, I mean, you had some pretty remarkable experiences with her accountant as well. I spoke to him in depth for a very, very long time, quite a few times. 
but it nowhere near the amount of times that I tried to call him and he wouldn't call me back after he'd spoken to me one time because I needed to get information with from him and he was not forthcoming. And then when we finally did get the profit and loss statement, they have three facilities and they had all of the three facilities in the one profit and loss statement. And I'm like, well, what is this? <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't for our property. This is for their whole holdings. I can't give this to a bank to get finance on it. And yeah. the wages that they were paying themselves, like obviously they're paying themselves a big wage because it's quite a healthy um, cash flow that they built up and credit to them. It was showing me from the three holdings that there was barely any net income, but I knew that there was. So I'm like, I can't use this profit and loss statement with three facilities on it, only one of which I am buying, you know, fix it. And then just fixing it, like getting the information out of it and getting the profit and loss statement that I I, I required to be able to get lending on this. I think that probably took another two months yeah. to get this sorted. So it's been interesting, I can say that. Again, you said earlier, dealing with the mom and pop organization, bearing in mind that this is now an elderly couple and they've owned this property for what, 25, 30 years? Yeah, I think so. You yeah. know? And they're accustomed to doing business on a handwritten ledger. But I must say that the thing that I like about it that they've got a full history of everything that they've done in this property. And even right down to the extent of their tenants have also been handwritten. I know that they put it onto, they've loaded their tenants onto software, very aged software, I might add. Andrew, you and I flew down to uh, Adelaide and went and checked the property out and, and they showed us their software. I kind of stood back and watched your face as you had a look at it. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about the software? <laughs> For one, I didn't recognize it at all. And that was the first thing because I've done a lot of research into self-storage. I've never seen this software before. It was like a beta <laughs> program that you'd look at like on a, uh, one of those old IBM machines, the big ones that, are, that have a a gray like screen on them, like something your dad would use, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago when computers first came out, or the internet first came out. It was like that kind of program. And they still use that to this day. That's integrated very, with their gate system. They could make it so much easier. Like it, he, it just, he was very proud of his software though. He was very yeah. proud. He showed yeah. us how it interconnected with the gate and the cameras. I just stood back and I thought, mm, this is where I'm just going to keep quiet and watch this movie unfold in front of yeah. me. Yeah, that's right. And like, I'm also watching this and my, uh, you know, dollar signs are ticking over in my, in my head, you know, because when you see that, that we're basically taking them from an analog old system and we're going to make them digital. So when you see a fax machine in the corner of a business, you know, that's a good business to buy because they're not up to date with <laughs> like today's technology. So that was the first tick of the box there. But going back to the actual due diligence that we did before we'd even had an offer accepted, mind you, Mish, yourself and I flew down to Adelaide and we actually inspected the property for a very, very long time because it's a large property. It's 15,000 square meters. And then we actually did area research as well. So we went to every single self-storage facility within a 10K radius of the facility that we're buying to have a look and understand what the market was doing, what kind of quality of assets there, you know, they've got and what the rates are and how they're operating their business. That was an interesting excursion alone. It was. It was a great day, I must say. It was a very informative day. I think I was, uh, you exhausted me. I drove the entire day until I couldn't even see. 
<laughs> I think <laughs> we drove flat out there that entire day looking at storage and storage and storage. It was incredibly interesting. Well, but- I, I won't be making that mistake again, letting you drive, because if you're from my point of view, you actually drive more like a Sydney driver than I do. Uh, and I don't know if I don't know if people understand that joke, but Sydney drivers are typically very impatient, you know, weaving in and out of people. And I was a little bit scared at some point. I'm not going to lie. So next time, I think I'm going to drive. <laughs> so uh, and you can navigate. <laughs> I'm very well known for getting the job done. And when when I'm behind the wheel, I have a mission, and I'm honing in on my mission, and I'm getting the job done. You know, I just want to get to from point A to point B. So with as few distractions in between. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, the real opportunity in this property, as I said, is that it's extremely under rented. So on multiple sizes of unit, they're charging $100 less per month on multiple sizes of the unit they have. So the actual current market rate, the market rate leader in the area is national storage, which is actually quite good because they will drive the market for us so they're driving the market for us and all we're going to be doing is improving the the business operation of the self-storage is the first thing and then we're going to make it a lot nicer and we're going to be refurbishing the the facility and just basically making it run like a professional operation so in recent years, the technological advancements in self-storage have been incredible. So there are specific property management systems. It's specifically for self-storage. In a nutshell, you can literally go online. You can go into the interface on the website. You can see what's available to rent. You could rent the unit online. You Then you will either get a FOB code that's actually emailed to you or text to you. Then you'll get to the facility. And then you'll use that FOB code, the PIN code to either get in or you could use your phone to access the actual facility like a FOB key. Then you could go to your unit and you could also put an electronic system in the actual unit door if you want to. We're not going to be doing that straight away on this particular facility. It'll still be an older style just using a lock and key. Then you put your stuff in and then you can get out of the the facility. If you want to, it's a complete manless operation. You never have to talk to anyone. And you never have to actually have any interaction and you can do that all by yourself. And now this is mainly the thing that I really like self-storage. It's not an easy business to run, but it's so much less operational drag than your typical business. Because realistically, you only need, say, one, maybe one and a half staff to actually run the facility. And the staff in a self-storage facility are actually more like salespeople. They're actually basically selling you into the unit that you're going to be getting potentially if you do walk in, increasing the size of the carts or the charge that you're going to be getting. So when you come in there and you need, say, a lock, and we'll be charging over the market price for a lock because that's what you actually do when there's demand there. If we're charging, say, $10 for a lock, you're not going to get in your car and drive down 10Ks to, say, Woolworths to buy a $5 lock. You're just going to pay the $10. So Having the products there, the next logical product or the next logical item that they'll need after the storage unit can be hugely advantageous in in boosting the cash flow and the revenue. Basically, just making it into a a beautiful showroom in a professional style business, it's just a huge value add. In the market there, we did not witness 
one facility that was even close to where we're going to take this facility. So it was, it's really going to be nice and fun. So Yeah, we have quite a lot of changes and we've been discussing quite a lot of uplift on the property itself, commercially as well as uh, from a storage and a business uh, point of view. And one of the first things that we would do is move the entrance and the shop right to the entrance so that it's smack in the middle and and easily accessible. I just want to go back onto the software that you were talking about because the one thing that I liked about the software is it gives you 100% metrics tied into the camera so you can basically see exactly who's coming and going at what time, entries and exits, how long they spent indoors or in the facility, how long they were in their storage unit. You can basically see everything. It's 100% timestamp, so you can see who's entering the facility at any point from your mobile phone anywhere in the world. So it gives you the opportunity to be able to run the facility manless if you want to. And when you're buying into a, a facility that's a lower yielding facility and doesn't have the income to support on-site manager, that's what you should need to be doing. You need to be automating the facility so you can basically run it off-site. There are still things that you need to do, like sweep out units and make sure there's rubbish around and, you know, your general upkeep of a property in general. But realistically, these types of properties, these types of assets can be run pretty much off-site if you have the type of software that we're talking about and the technology. With regards to the commercial aspect, we've got seven tenants in total, one being the storage itself, and then we have six commercial tenants. Now, The reason I'm mentioning this is because it's a little bit of spreading your risk. So it's multi-tenanted. Those storage facilities can be turned into commercial facilities very, very easily should the market change. Now, I can't see the market changing for the next 20 years. I think you're 100% right there. We've done the research with regards to the demand in storage, and I think that's going to stay. And if anything, uh, we would convert the commercial into storage. So the commercial is right across the front. And just to give people a little bit of a picture, it's on a double lane freeway, which is the main access from Adelaide up to the next northern town, village, call it whatever you want, city, Gula. Yeah. So Gula. It's, it's, <laughs> I'll leave that to Hello, you. We're going to be owning a property in this area, Miss. You've got to know the areas. Gula. You've got to pronounce it like a local. <laughs> I'm learning the local lingo, Gula. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's on that double freeway, which gives it unbelievable exposure. I almost said explosion. The idea with this property is, as Andrew said earlier, it really is ugly. Now, you've heard me say a thousand times, I love ugly. Bring me ugly all day because I'll turn ugly into dollars. And I want to just speak about the journey that we've had with regards doing the upgrade because there's. Um, Almost 3,000 square meters on the back and about 2,000 square meters on the front that have got the potential to be built out. Now, we've gone down the route of doing developments on both of those. You want to talk a little bit about that uh, journey? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, just so everyone knows, when Mish is talking about commercial tenancies, these are actual long-term tenants with a lease, like two, three, four-year, five-year lease. So we've gone through many, many different ways of adding value to the property, all look very, very good. But one of the things that we don't like right now about developing a property is that the inflation and the increased cost in the supply of the goods 
that the lead times to get them to get them here landed. Basically, we've gone through so many different potential strategies to maximize the value of this property with the least amount of risk, the lowest risk possible. And self-storage in its nature, because it has so many tenants, has very, very low risk because the more tenants you have, the, the better. So what we like about this particular project, and you can call it a development if you if you like, you know, it's it's got huge amounts of cash flow. So for one, big tick, you know, so no one's ever gone bankrupt with good cash flow coming into their their bank account or the company's bank account every single month. So huge tick. The cost of the actual development was eroding some of our potential value. So We've decided to move away from doing a, a fixed land development at the moment. It doesn't mean that we won't do it in future, a later date, five, seven, ten years down the track. It's just right now we believe that the best way to move forward with this deal is actually using movable objects like containers. Um, you could call it a shuttle containers to actually boost the revenue on this on this property. And it's going to be looking like a very very high class, high ticket kind of development that is all color coded. It's going to be extremely well received from, you know, looking from it from the road, it's going to be quite beautifully looking. And this has basically reduced our development costs by, I'd say, $6 million. So it's fairly significant with the, the container option, just using containers, we can almost bring it to the same value that we were going to be getting it to with developing of the fixed self-storage units. So, Mish, have I missed anything there? You've pretty much hit the nail on the head there, um, Andrew. The interesting thing is that we we had gone as far as doing elementary plans, and Andrew and I have both, both been working really hard at placing space and containers on those plans. Very interesting because it's a piece of dirt with a couple of containers on. Well, actually, no, it's not. It does edge into development because there is a little bit of land works, so civils that we will have to do. We've got to take stormwater into consideration. So there's still quite a lot of work to do from a development side, although it is far more simplistic. You've still got to do all your basic works on the land to get it to that point. And you're still working with the council to get the approvals for the volume of movable uh, assets that you're putting on onto that land. So with regards to the look and feel, council council's approach is if you're going to be doing any improvements, they want the, the improvements to be done according to their specifications, which is quite an interesting angle. As the developer, we've basically got to facilitate what they're calling for. Probably more than halfway through that process of working out how to do it and find an even ground that is acceptable to them, that is aesthetically appealing to both public, drive-by, and that works as a workable facility as well, you know, from a storage facility. So it's a little bit of a fine art that we're busy working on at the moment, and I do believe that um, we're getting close to the goal. And this is like, we're talking about self-storage here, but the property also has eight other commercial tenancies, um, you know, two of which are, are vacant. So we have six tenancies right now. And what we're actually going to be doing is three of those tenancies have an actual lease in place and three of them are month to month. 
So we're also going to be shoring up those leases and getting everyone on a really nice, strong lease. And the rentals that they're actually being charged are also under market rent as well. Like you can see how this is starting to stack up where we've got potentially eight commercial tenants. A couple of them are bulky goods retail and a couple of them are industrial type tenants in, a, in an industrial warehouse. So you've got those tenants and then you've also got 104 existing self-storage units right now that are on month-to-month leases. And the thing about a month-to-month lease is if you have one, it's very, very risky. But when you, you have 104, when you're doing it at scale, it makes it extremely low risk because at the end of the day, 104 people on one day come and move out of the self-storage facility it's pretty unlikely that's ever happened. So you're going to lose people here and there. But the actual interesting thing about this facility is I ran the numbers on the dates because we went through every single self-storage agreement that we received from the property. And there's 189 self-storage agreements because there's some of them are in fixed units and some of them have caravans, some of them have cars in the yard. So there's 189 stores on the site at the time we received those agreements. And I ran the numbers on the date that they signed their self-storage agreement to today's date. And then I averaged it out over 189. And I actually got to a figure that the average stay in the self-storage facility is 2.3 years. Like that's one person, when one customer, the average person will stay for two point three years like that is ridiculous that's amazing that's great i'm laughing about uh when you were talking about the immovable assets and their their cars and and caravans and that because um one of the conditions on the contract is that they move quite a lot of that stuff yeah (laughs) and there's some vehicles that we looked at they must have been standing there for 10 years oh they were just roached out like there's no way you could you couldn't actually roll it (laughs) they didn't roll anymore they had to be put there on a flatbed like even that, I, I doubt whether they would even roll onto a flatbed. No, they I have mean, to be dragged. They but, would never be able to roll that anywhere. <laughs> They're all that, seized. They're all rusted out. Like it's, it was like it was almost like a um a junkyard at the back. You know, in some parts. Very interesting. Just going back to the commercial side of it and the tenancies. So the you spoke about uh, obviously tightening up the leases, and that's where we create tremendous value in the property mm. by bringing those those leases in. The vacancies that we're looking at now, thinking about what we're doing, we're doing a massive uplift. We're going to be doing revamping, repainting, refencing a whole new facade right across the front of this property, yep. which immediately becomes eye candy. And what happens is suddenly people start sitting up and noticing and those commercial, those vacant commercial units suddenly start gaining value and adding even more value. One of the strategies that we're doing is running a marketing campaign and we will be marketing those vacant properties once we've done the uplift, okay? and done storyboard CADs on what the facility is going to look like. So there again, not only is it just going to add value, it's going to add tremendous value by bringing additional rentals in on those two vacancies. And it's kind of like a fine line because we're looking at it and saying, well, we can fill them up with storage or fill them, uh, put commercial tenants in. The options, we always like having as many options as possible. 
Yeah, that's right. And like to give you know the listeners a bit of a perspective on what we're actually buying this, what cap rate we're, we're buying this at. We're actually buying this at a 7.76 cap rate. Now, that is exceptional for the last two years to get anything in the sixes for any kind of commercial asset was a good deal. It got as sharp as, you know, going to five, five and a half, even sub five things for some kinds of assets. And that's really why it's taken me so long to be able to find a deal that stacks up because I've underwritten a lot of properties. I've found a lot of self-storage facilities that were on the market that I would have loved to have purchased, but I needed to have the right price because a self-storage is a business. There's business risk with it as well. So you can't be buying these like a commercial asset, like it's a passive, you know, hands-off commercial asset at a sharp, you know, six or sub 6%. You need some wiggle room there and the opportunity has to be right. So with this particular facility that we're buying in Adelaide, we're we're getting it at a 7.76 cap rate, which is amazing in in anyone's standards. The actual cash on cash return is 11.65 off the bat. So that's before doing any uplifts and and tweaking rentals. And sorry, Andrew, I've just jumped in over there. The other thing worth mentioning is um, that uh, with immediate effect, uh, we're going to start implementing rental increases on the actual storage. You had a great take on that. If you're going to be charging an extra 10 bucks a month on storage units, how many people do you think would bulk at that and say, no, I'm not going to pay an extra 10 bucks a month. I'm going to come and move my stuff. Probably very few because it probably costs more to move their stuff than what it does to pay an extra 10 bucks. There's an immediate uplift there as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's why I particularly liked this asset. And I, when I identified the opportunity, that was the, the huge thing is that on day one, all we're going to be doing is increasing the rents to market rate, which is the mm-hmm. rate that everyone's paying right now for storage. So like that could be like even up to 30% on their actual monthly fee. And the thing with that is that that might only equate to 10, 15, $20 a month extra. But realistically like take a whole weekend to hire a van go and get your stuff move it to the facility down the road to get ten dollars off per month it's probably not something cheaper down the road yeah that's right well that's the other thing that we particularly like about this market is that the demand is so far above the supply that's available that it's ridiculous so even if they wanted to move there's nowhere to go. And I'm not saying that in a mean business, like I want to get your money. It is a business. We're doing it to make money. It's a great opportunity. And we're only lifting the rates up to where they need to be. We're not gouging. We're not going over and above. We're literally bringing it up to the known street rate in the marketplace. With Um, all due respect, the rates that we're having a look at is still slightly less than our competitors. And the reason I jumped in at that point was you were talking about the cash on cash rate because that's going to have a tremendous impact on that cash rate. So from day one, as you so roughly said, when you adjust those, the income. Yeah, so, well, that's right. I mean, this is, this is just money that the owners have been leaving on the table. So, you know, go. I'm looking at overlaying what we know we can do with the known rate in the marketplace. And mm-hmm. I'm overlaying that on the facility right now with the, the same sizes of units. I can see that there's money left on the table. We're going to be bringing this over close to not exceeding a 20% cash on cash return after we've done basically probably half of our value add. And that's not to mention 
one of the vacant tenancies, that tenancy actually used to command $52,000 of revenue that we haven't taken into account on the cap rate at the moment. So like there's at least a $52,000 just sitting there waiting for someone to come in, put a tenant in there, and then there's $52,000 of boosted revenue right there. Not to mention all of the other ways that we're going to be tweaking and fixing and refurbishing this property and putting in a, a better business operation. Like the thing that I love about self-storage and any kind of real estate asset that has a business aspect to it is the amount of different ways that you can add value to it is 10 times as much as a, a normal commercial property. And then a commercial property is like quite a lot more than a residential property because it's, it's based on a cap rate, a capitalization rate. And that's the power of commercial property. And just increasing the business operations in a self-storage facility affects the value of the property. So if you can get really good at that and figure out the opportunity and understand how to do that, like the world is just your oyster. Like it's just so easy to create huge value that far outweighs any other type of, you know, asset in my mind, you know, and that's really why I personally love self-storage right now in the current climate that we're in. Are you struggling to put together a wealth plan? Revolve Commercial have designed an eight question process that generates a personalized 12 month wealth growth plan. And it's free. I gotta check this out myself. Go to www.revolvecommercial.com.au to get your personalized wealth growth plan free today. Yeah, and let's not look at the whole business and the whole acquisition at face value. There's a ton load of work that goes into acquiring something like this. I mean, this has by no means been a, an easy acquisition, and we're pretty much smack in the middle of it right now. And just looking at the work that is involved in getting it to where we need to get it to. And this is what I always say about uplift properties particularly in commercial, is get ready to roll up your sleeves and dig in, stick your head down and go ballistic, be 100% focused, work on that property, that asset, flat out until you actually get it to where you are. Because when you get it to where you want it to be, it will just flow on by itself. And that is where your cash flow on autopilot comes in. So You're exactly right that this is it's a real project. It's not like we're buying this to set and forget. We'll be sitting on a beach sipping margaritas with all the other investors. No, there's a lot of work that's already gone into it. Like, Hopefully like, the investors are going to be sitting on the beach drinking margaritas. They're going to be watching us on a webinar working our butts off getting it. <laughs> that's right. They're going to be there, but then we're not going to be there, Mitch, because we're doing all of the hard work. It's taken a lot of time to get it to this stage and a lot of money as well. It really is a big project and we're really excited to sink our teeth into it and really get started. And it's by no means an easy process, but that's part of the reason why the opportunity is there and why we're doing it. Because the harder the thing, the more the value we can get out of it and the better returns we can get for investors. Absolutely. And that's exactly why we do what we do. I mean, uh, I'm not scared of hard work. And to be quite honest with you, I love these kind of projects. I'm an uplift queen. I've been doing uplift property since the age of 22. I see uplift properties and I get excited. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I get excited at seeing ugly properties. <laughs> Andrew, the one side that we haven't spoken about on this property, it's, it's kind of like an L shape. 
we've been talking about doing this property in phases. So the first phase would be upgrading the existing facility, the existing rentals. So literally without picking up a paintbrush or a screwdriver, you'd be doing an uplift on those rentals and doing the elementary tidy up, clean up, which is going to bring value. And then part of that would be to just build out the internal storage into one area of one of the uh, commercial tenancies, which I believe we would probably move out. And then we're talking about the development area. And the third part of it would be the L shape, which we call the car yard. And there used to be a car yard on there, which gives us opportunity to either develop that into storage or we've we've got uh, a couple of exit plans on that. We could um, strata title that, chop that off, sell that off to do a cash injection. And or while we're busy doing that, we could be renting that out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've got so many exit strategies and so many options. And that's what you really need when you're looking at an asset like this or any kind of project. Um, you know, you really need to be going in thinking about the exit strategies and what if this happens? Can we do this? How much value can we create here for everyone and the investors and everything? So we've got a lot of exit strategies in place you know, in our bag of tricks, as well as a lot of ways to add value to it. But the main strategy is buy and hold for the long term, increase value, and then basically reap the rewards of cash flow for as long as we see fit. And then potentially, depending on the market, depending on who we're selling it to, you know, dispose of the asset at a great price and everyone's a big winner, you know? Yeah. So, but this is, you know, five, seven, 10, 50, it could be 30 years down the track. Wow. So it's not, this is not a quick flip development by anyone's standpoint. This is really going to be probably a property that we're like, damn, I wish we could get a property like that again. It's like this could be one of the best properties you find with the best opportunity on it, you know, because- golden nugget. It is a yeah. golden nugget. I just wanted to jump back to one of the things, one of my observations when we were there at the site, we were there on a Saturday morning, I think it was probably around nine o'clock, maybe 9.30. And I couldn't believe the amount of traffic that was going past the actual property. Like it's a main road going from Adelaide to Gawler, but the amount of traffic on that particular property is phenomenal. So they did a traffic study on that property a little while ago, a couple of years now, and it was circa 40,000 cars actually passed the property on that main road north each day. That just really blew my mind. Like in my mind, like this is the best property that, you know, I've seen in this last little boom that we've had in commercial property. And, and this is the one that we really need to snag. We definitely um, went hard at it. Quite a few negotiations, you know, back and forth just to secure the deal and just securing the actual contract, Mish. We didn't even touch on that because we, it was so long ago that we probably, <laughs> for, you know, basically forgotten. It took Let us like, on what, four months, three months to actually get on contract after we'd had an offer accepted. Yeah. The amount of roadblocks and, you know, things that we've had to do and, and, and overcome to actually get this to this point is quite phenomenal, really. Yeah. And also the lending, because the lending's been very interesting. We've been working with uh, Graham on doing this and the lending's kind of gone from 50% to 60% to 65% which is pretty unheard of for storage. And the other thing that I'm very pleased about, and again, I mean, we worked tremendously hard on working with the valuer. And it's really, really important when you are having a property valuated 
that you do work with the valuer hand in, in glove, hand in and make sure that that valuer gets all the information that they need. And I must say, I'm very, very chuffed with what came out of the valuation because it was spot on. And the bankers looked very favorably upon that. So by virtue of the fact that they're giving us a very good LVR, the equity required has actually lessened what we're going to need on the property, which is a great thing for the investment and a great thing for the investors coming into the property. And the other thing that I wanted to speak about are the the numbers that we've been crunching to get to the point of making it a viable investment and a viable asset. Because as you can imagine, as Andrew was talking about, about it earlier, we were talking about the development side of it. And I mean, that took, what, Andrew, three, four, five weeks of crunching numbers, of getting quotes, of going back and forward. And when we eventually got to the point, we said, hell, you know what, we, it's, the, the, the development from the time that we started to now, the development costs have gone up by 40%, bearing in mind that uh, we're largely dependent on steel. And you, you all know what's happened in the steel market. And just over a short, that was, what, six months that we've been working on that. And just over that, that short period of time, it shows you how the market can affect any kind of development that you're doing. And I always say, I take my hat off to developers. It's a game that is very tricky. It's very difficult. It's tricky and difficult enough doing what we're doing over here. And fortunately, we don't have to do the full-blown development. We have an exit strategy, strategy two, which is movable assets to put yeah, on, I mean, on yeah. the land. The idea is buying it right. And I think you accidentally said weeks there, Mish, on the, on the first thing. I think you actually meant months because it was three, four, five months we were working on the development plan um you know you actually said weeks back there but part of the reason why you know this is such a great deal is because they're buying it extremely right it's okay that the interest rates are going up and at the start of this venture we were looking at a a 4.95 percent interest rate at a 50 percent lens well that's actually gone up to five five and a half percent at the moment and it could actually go up again before we've actually um you know settled the property as well but because we're buying it so right at a 7.7 cap rate, the value proposition on it is huge that we're going to be creating such a huge uh, you know, increase in value that mm-hmm. it's almost redundant what the, the interest rate is on the loan because we're increasing the cash flow at least double in the next five to seven years. So it's really important in property to, to buy the actual asset right and know that you can weather the storms. And believe me, this property can weather some storms. I think we don't have to say, I think everybody can hear how passionate we are. We both <laughs> are. But <laughs> hopefully that speaks for itself. I mean, you and I could speak about this for the next three three hours. I mean, we really are driven by the passion behind what we're doing and just loving the entire project. I do want to mention that uh, we will be hosting a webinar where we'll be showing the strategies where we'll be showing the property, where we're going to be showing the facade and giving updates and the opportunity for investors to get involved. Yeah, that's right. So this podcast is going to actually be released after that webinar. So the webinar link will be on the Commercial Property Show Facebook group and also in the Revolve Commercial Private Facebook group. And you'll be able to get the recording of it, I believe, as well. Talk about passionate. We've, you know, been talking unscripted, you know, for over an hour now. 
just you know jumped on a on a call and said let's just tell people about it we're easily over an hour right now so you know (laughs) if it's any consolation Andrew I'm going to be going straight back to my desk and and carry on doing some CADs and graphics and speaking to town planners so um, you know the work never stops it's uh, the brain's still going and uh, it really is a a full-on project very exciting yeah that's it all right guys well this has been Andrew Bean and Mish Daniel on the Revolve commercial podcast where wealth revolves around you. Thanks for listening to the Revolve Commercial Podcast. Don't forget to check out their private Facebook group, Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial. This show has been produced by the Commercial Property Show Network.